Welcome to Rocket Talk, the Tor.com podcast. I am Justin Landon, your uh, ever-present host. And tonight is something that we're going to call for the first time a Samisode. Samisode is a new feature in which I am joined by my friend Sam Sykes, who is now becoming something of a regular contributor to the podcast. Sam is the author of the now-complete Aeon's Gate trilogy and the currently underway Bring Down Heaven series. The first book in his new series, The City Stained Red, is available now, and the sequel, The Mortal Tally, is due out this fall. Welcome, Sam. Thank you. I'm glad to be here again. We decided to do this episode as an outgrowth of kind of some of our previous conversations that we've had. We had one with Delilah Dawson a couple of weeks ago, and then we've had some that have gone back a ways. And we didn't get too far into it, but but the SEX is one of them. Oh, um, oh no. And so we want to talk about sex, how it's used, why it works, when it works, why it doesn't, when it doesn't. But as the case may be, Sam and I agreed that we needed an expert because neither one of us are. So we called Tiffany Rice. Uh, Tiffany is the author of the best-selling and award-winning Original Sinners series. She describes her genre as literary friction, which is a pun that I love. She she used to be in seminary. Now she's an erotica writer, as one does. Welcome, Tiffany. It's good to be here. Thanks for having me. That's what she said. Oh, no. Hey! It will never happen again. We are off to a good start. Uh, I have to tell you. That's what she said. Sorry. I have to tell you, I'm delighted by the pun. I'm a big, I'm really into puns. So literary, I love puns too. literary yeah. friction is a lot of fun. Thank you. Thank you. I had somebody tell me, I forget who the author was, but she almost named her blog literary friction until she found out I'd used it in my book to describe erotica. And then she decided not to do that. <laughs> and now I own that pun. It's all mine. No one else can have it. But you oh, can no borrow it. Do you think I could use it in a pun contest? Yes. I would allow that. I would allow because that. Because I, I was once in a pun contest, and I submitted ten of my best puns, hoping one would win, but no pun in ten did. Oh. Oh. That's what she said. That hurt. <laughs> that is also... <laughs> oh, my God, no, sorry, sorry. <laughs> Dread, if dreadful. she's in my books, then that's what she said. Awful. Wow. 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 What, this is off to are, a great start. You already lost control, Justin. <laughs> this is off to a fantastic start. So there is a particular writer uh, in epic fantasy uh, named Joe Abercrombie, who I'm a big fan of, uh, as listeners of this podcast know. Joe has a sex scene, well, a series of sex scenes in his book that are unique, I think. In I, yeah. Well, uh, like, I, I've been reading Joe since he was first published, you know? And in every review that I read about him, there is a consistent running theme where everyone will call his sex scenes embarrassing or ridiculous or unnecessary. And when I was a young and immature reader, uh, I sort of agreed with that because I, my tastes were not as varied and I wasn't quite sure what made a good sex scene. But... As I have grown and as I have read a lot of Joe's work, I have kind of become of the opinion that his sex scenes are secretly brilliant. <laughs> and I, I would really I would really like uh, both you and Tiffany to weigh in on this. All right. So I think what we're going to do, just, just because Tiffany has not read Joe, Sam is going to give us a dramatic reading of a sex scene from Joe Abercrombie's fourth novel, Best Served Cold. And this sex scene features Monza, who is a, uh, a revenge-seeking warrior general, and her 
sometimes lover, call Shivers, a barbarian Northman with a heart of gold. Right. This is from page 485 in the chapter To the Victors. She had the root of his cock in one hand, rubbing herself against the end of it, not in and out, not in and not out, always halfway between. She had the other round the back of Shivers' head, holding him face against her tits while he gathered up them up, squeezed them, bit at them. Her fingers worked under his jaw, thumb-tip sliding ever so gently onto his ruined cheek, tickling, teasing, scratching. He felt a sudden stab of fury, snatched hold of her wrist, hard, twisted it round, twisted her off him and onto her knees, twisted her arm behind her, face pushed down into the sheet, making her gasp. He was grunting something in northern, and even he didn't know what. He felt a burning need to hurt her, hurt himself, tangled his free hand against her hair and shoved her head hard against the wall, growling and whimpering at her from behind, while she groaned, gasped, mouth wide open, hair across her face fluttering with her breath. He still had her arm twisted behind her and her hand curled round, gripping his wrist hard while he gripped hers, dragging him down over her. Uh-uh, their mindless grundly. Creak, creak. The bed moaning along with them. Squelch, squelch. His skin slapping hard against her ass. Oh, how, how did you like that, Tiffany? Well, give, give us your expert opinion on that. Well, my very first thought while listening to it was, if I did not know the gender of the author, I would have known immediately a man wrote it and not a woman. You never hear tits in, you never read tits in a romance novel, uh, unless, unless, unless it's, um, said in sort of a derogatory way or one of your sort of low characters, like a servant or something like that in a historical says it or, uh, so in a love scene, you don't usually come across that word in, uh, erotic and romance written by women and very often in erotica written by men. So that was my first impression. And the second was, I thought it was pretty good. Um, he, uh, handles the choreography well. I could, I could visualize what is happening very well, uh, which is hard to do because it's, it's like trying to describe dance in black and white. It's really hard to do. Um, right. and, uh, it, it paints quite a picture. It's very visceral. And I could, I could imagine, uh, uh, readers being turned on by it and, and liking it. I prefer more getting into the emotional side of things in addition to the physical and the choreography. Um, and at, at no point in that scene, and I'm sure in other scenes he has it, but in that particular scene, we don't know the emotions of either character. Um, so my personal preference would be, you know, if I were editing it, if I were his beta reader, I would say, what is he feeling emotionally at this time? Um, is it love? Is it hate? Is he angry at her? We know he wants to hurt her, but is it just kink? And this is sort of his kink or is he mad at her? You know, so just more right. elaboration. Uh, but I that, thought it was that, fun. That's kind of the problem with the, with, with reading it out of context, isn't it? Because, uh, at this point in the story, Shivers has had his eye put out through a series of gruesome tortures. Well, and he did it largely, if I remember correctly, it's been a while, but largely to sort of, uh, in service to her, right? Yeah, it was, it was because of her. And, you know, when he, when his, uh, when his eye gets put out, he moans, it should have been you. Right. And there's this, 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 uh, relationship between the two of them where this is not the first time they've had sex. This is multiple times. In fact, I just searched the word squelch to find this sex scene <laughs> in the ebook because <laughs> it's one of Joe's favorite words. And so um, you can... Gotta say, I've never used that one in a sex scene. I'm writing it down. Well, so he actually told me the term that he had made up for it, which is it's ontomonopoetic sex. 
Yeah, I can I can see I can see that. I'm not sure I would ever use it, but uh, I I can sort of appreciate what he did there. I can see for some some erotica scenes. If you're going for more erotica than romance, you sort of want to bring out the pornier elements, and sound is uh, is a element of pornography, of visual. You know, watching porn online, uh, you hear things. Whereas in romance and and uh, your tamer erotica, you don't get into the sounds of sex so much. Uh, you don't hear too much about the ball slapping and that sort of thing. Um, we kind of leave that that particular sense out, except for the dirty talk sometimes. So yeah, I can I can see that there that's an interesting element, or uh, I wouldn't say it was unique, but you don't run across that very often in sex scenes, and I could see why somebody would want to put that in one. Tiffany, in the interests of full disclosure, I have just put on Twitter, you don't hear too much about the ball slapping, and attributed <laughs> that to you, because I want that I want that last throughout the ages. Basically what he's saying is, just in case Justin edits that out, we want it for posterity. <laughs> like, you know what was said now. <laughs> I mean, I will admit it. I, people think my scenes are very graphic, especially with the, the S&M, but I don't focus on the movement of the scrotum very much, which is, when you have actual sex, it is flopping around there, and sometimes you can feel it, sometimes you can hear it. I don't focus on that. That's not one well, of my... Uh, one of my favorite aspects of writing. Yeah, it's not. It's not a very sexy action. Flopping. It really is not. So yeah, all sex like, scenes are sort of edited carefully. Yeah, they sort of ignore the a lot of the squelching and the flopping and the. And that's to me what I've always sort of appreciated, even back when I didn't really appreciate the sex scene in general. But I always appreciated about Joe's scenes is that he sort of, in it, all of his books he does this. He really embraces the awkwardness of sex. Now here's here's where I want it here's where I reveal why I wanted to talk about this and why I think uh Joe's sex scenes are brilliant because here's the whole point of Joe's stories they're not about necessarily making war or people being heroic it's about people trying to remember how to be human and the sex scenes are always when they fail to remember how to do that like all the way back to the first law scenes, uh, the like between uh, Logan and Pharaoh, which you know we don't we don't have time to read all of uh, Joe's greatest hits here, but they are they are in a similar vein. And I think if you've read Joe's books, you know that they very rarely have happy endings. I heard someone describe the theme of Joe's books as people change, but more often they change back. And I, I agree with that, and I think the sex scenes are pivotal uh, to when that happens, when uh, these people sort of fundamentally forget how to be human, and they can try to be romantic, and they can try to remember uh, how to be intimate, but it, it just doesn't work. That's an interesting use of sex scenes in a book, and I can, I can certainly appreciate how that would uh, work in an epic fantasy novel. Yeah, we we don't we don't really have the luxury in epic fantasy of just straight up being sexy because I think someone is going to be very uh someone will be very upset that it didn't further the plot or anything. So you kind of have I I kind of view sex scenes as a means of raising the emotional stakes of a story. As indeed I think sex works for a lot of people like nothing you don't really get to go back to doing things as they were after sex enters the equation definitely so I, I view it as a point at which the relationship between two uh two characters fundamentally changes 
Well, I think that's one of the, the things that I find most interesting about the difference between, say, and I don't want to just say epic fantasy, because I think it's true of really any genre that's not romance or erotica. Um, right. In that sex is seen as... It must, I think Sam Brott really nailed it, which is we consider in other genres that sex must serve the plot, otherwise it should get cut. And I don't think that's true in erotica and romance. I think it has, it's more like a, the way we use fight scenes maybe in, in other genres where they, they can just be there just, just to sort of be interesting uh, well, to the reader. It's, for erotica, it's pivotal to the genre. If you don't have a lot of, of explicit sex scenes, you are not writing an erotica book. So, uh, in, in romance, in romance, they tend to, uh, serve the plot definitely, but they are often more explicit than they need to be. Um, but that's sort of fan service. That's what readers like. So we make them right. a one paragraph sex scene that could be a one paragraph sex scene ends up being a two page sex scene, that sort of thing. Cause we know that's what our readers like. And that is sort of like fight scenes in epic fantasy. Exactly, we could yeah. we could make them like way more succinct. Like he paint he thrust he parried, which could also be a sex scene. Um, it really could be. <laughs> uh, and then someone someone wound up on the floor covered in fluids. Uh, but we like we but you know a one paragraph fight scene will become a two page fight scene. I'm glad you bring that up because you know people will and and every every bit of every type of genre fiction gets shit on for some reason. So yeah, yeah. Um, some you know fantasy gets shit on for having like big feast scenes and ridiculous fight scenes. So romance gets shit on for having uh, extended love scenes. So it's every genre. So that that's uh, the particular thing. It's like when when if a fantasy writer says, "Why do you have so many sex scenes in your book?" I'd be like, "Well, why do you have so many feasting scenes that go on for so many pages?" Yeah. Uh, why Why do you have so many fight scenes? Why so yes. much description about the magic system? Right. Exactly. But that's what our readers like, and we know our readers. So yeah. But I'm right. glad you brought that up. And yet, like it, it feel I feel like they're I feel like it's becoming less stigmatized. But for a while, like back when I started, uh, when I started uh, publishing, George Martin was was like still like he's still hot shit now, but he was like extremely hot shit back then. Uh, and so I feel like a lot of readers were sort of reluctant or ashamed to admit they enjoyed like the higher fantasy, like magic and so forth. So you'd have a lot of them moaning about, uh, you know, it being almost too fantastic. When in fact, like a lot of people were eating that up. So it feels like part of us wants to admit we're not, or, or part of us wants to say we are not that involved in our sex scenes and our fight scenes and our fee scenes, but like privately, we completely are as the oh, sales yeah. numbers oh, yeah. <laughs> And I wonder if like uh, not being able to admit that is like part of the joy of it. Because you hear that that uh that word like uh, escapism come up all the time, it feels it feels somehow like more more forbidden if we uh, if we don't admit that we like that stuff. Oh yeah, and and the the phrase like guilty pleasure, people say don't have guilty pleasures, don't feel guilty about your pleasures, and I I think it's a pretty harmless phrase. And yeah. there's there's something fun about having a guilty pleasure about the book that you read under the covers at night with your flashlight or or. Um, you know, something that you don't announce that you're into is kind of your private thing, and it's okay to have that uh, yeah, and, yeah. and not feel not feel guilt. Don't feel guilty about your guilty pleasure, <laughs> right? But don't feel guilty about it being a guilty pleasure either, right? Exactly. Just, just do do whatever you want. 
Exactly. <laughs> One of the things that we notice a lot in the non-romantic genres, it, which is a ridiculous phrase because, of course, there's romance in every book, but in a lot of the, the fantasy and science fictions and, and to other degrees, other subgenres, if sex gets into a book and it's not sort of done the way that Joe does it, which is this sort of aggressively subversive sex scene, I guess you might call it. Um, right. Somehow it's like no longer uh, a welcome or no longer, or, or, or it changes the, the, the demographics. I, I had a conversation with Diana Rowland the other day who writes um, urban fantasy. And she says that a lot of her readers tell her, uh, male readers in particular, like, oh, I'm not going to read that because it's romance. And she's like, there's seven books and there's four sex scenes. But like, because there's a sex scene and it's, kind of hot all of a sudden it's a it's a romance book and so people move away from it and we know that's a thing but what i'm curious like in in the romance and and erotica is are there things you can do in those books that turn people off in the same way that like maybe romance or sex does in other genres yeah there's um there's things that will that are sort of hard limits for readers to use a kink term. Uh, the big one is cheating. Uh, if the hero or heroine cheats on the significant other in the book, it's, I mean, it's much more okay in erotica to have polyamory, have, have characters with multiple partners as long as everybody's in on it. But actual cheating is, is really, really frowned upon and you can lose readers like that left and right. And certain readers have. They just have their, their kinks, their fetishes that turn them on, and then they're whatever the opposite of a fetish is that they absolutely will not read. So kink is one of those. It's it's something that if a if a romance reader finds out there's even spanking or even light bondage in a book, then they will never, ever read it, even if it's known as the greatest love story ever told. But what I tell people is whatever you choose, you will lose readers and gain readers for the same reason. Mm-hmm. So... If you put kink in a book, you will gain a bunch of readers who love kink, and you will lose readers who don't like kink in a book. So you're you're damned if you do, and you're damned if you don't, or you win if you do, and you win if you don't. <laughs> so you just write what you want. Yeah, I think the inverse of a kink is called a or a fetish is called a squick. A squick. Yes, thank you. Yeah. Like it, it, like I've just I've just recently heard this, but it's like something that's like, oh god, I I I don't want I don't want to read that. Like, You're absolutely right, yes. They don't have, like, anything morally against it. They just don't like it. So your epic fantasy squick, Sam, is feast scenes. Uh, yeah, on it, well, see, you weren't at Phoenix Comic Con because we had a whole panel about this. And while I still don't like feast scenes, I am becoming more interested in food lore. Oh, and my God, the- I seriously just nodded off for a second. <laughs> <laughs> Dude, I'm not going to take this from the guy who made a severe and passionate argument about why there is not more calorie counting in in fantasy fiction. They burn a lot of calories, right? Killing people kills a lot of Well, yeah, but, but Justin wants, like, some guy, like, managing his protein intake. <laughs> I'm just saying. Discussing how many grams he takes per day. I'm just saying there's like, a lot of studs in, in genre books, and we never consider how they keep their physiques. It, bothers me <laughs> atkins they're all on atkins that must be it justin <laughs> and 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 they eat things like greased capon and like 
the all the foods and food scenes are always so awful for you. I, I'm just saying it, it, we don't have to go through this again. We went, we did like 20 minutes on this in a different episode. But, <laughs> but uh, I mean, to get back to it, that's that's like totally true in epic fantasy too, and it's not just of sex scenes. There's always like uh, some little thing that seems completely innocuous that will completely turn a reader off. For example, uh, Reddit R Fantasy. One of my absolute favorite uh, communities. I really enjoy it. But sometimes I read a, uh, a thread in which someone wants a recommendation. And they say, I want a fantasy book in which no one, in which someone like really has to work at their, to gain their power. Or like, I have to have a fantasy that is like just kind of uh, advanced in technology, but not too much. So it's like it's it's weird how much uh how much like those little things can just turn off a reader, isn't it? Doesn't that sound like category romance, Tiffany? <laughs> it really does. I was about to say that because there there readers can be so specific about what yeah. they want and what they don't want. Like I love historical romances that are marriage of convenience romances. And I almost never read any other historical romance. It has to be that one trope that's the only one that really, really interests me. They have to get married as total strangers. They have to have awkward sex in chapter three. It's really specific. Otherwise, I'll probably read a contemporary romance. So I'm guilty of it, too. (laughs) Well, yeah, like when I was a kid, I would not read fantasy that had gunpowder or monotheistic uh religions <laughs> like for some because i think maybe because i was raised catholic that i just uh like it, it was like almost too close to real life so like i i didn't want to read about like a monotheistic deity i wanted like multiple deities and i didn't want gunpowder i wanted i wanted you're not going to blurb my first fantasy novel the gunpowder monotheist <laughs> the gunpowder monotheist <laughs> I thought it was a title. All I'm saying is there better not be any sex in it. <laughs> no, no sex. And if there is Very sex, only marriage of conveniences. <laughs> it seems strange to me that there are some readers that don't immediately embrace it. Because unlike everything else in fantasy books or genre books, like sex is the one thing that we can all do. Right. Like it is. It is the most shared experience of which we probably have personal experience with. Isn't it, isn't that strange though, that we would have some sort of negative reaction to it with that sort of commonality. That's what I find strange. Yeah. I've I've always tried to figure this out because I've, I've enjoyed reading sex in books ever since I discovered there was sex in books Um, for fantasy specifically. I think people like what your sex is in your book is different for each genre. So you get something like mystery and your detective who figures out the mystery at the end, he or she pulls it all together. That's kind of your orgasm in your book. That's your climax. When the, when the detective puts all the pieces together and he tells you that he's figured it out, that's like the thing you've been building up to the entire time. That's your orgasm. That's the sexiness of something like a cozy mystery or an Agatha Christie mystery. So, in fantasy, it's the magic element that makes fantasy fantasy. It's it's the different world and, and the unicorns and the wizards and that sort of thing. So it's, that's it's, why people go to fantasy. They don't the, go the to it for... description of the magic system. 
Yes, yeah. <laughs> that's that's what that's what the the uh, the draw is the right. pool of fantasy. So sex might seem like something not intrinsic to fantasy, the way a graphic sex scene would not seem intrinsic to um, a Miss Marple novel by Agatha Christie. Like all of a sudden, Miss Marple's getting it on on page sixty, and you, it's like, what does this have to do with solving the mystery? What does this have to do with the wizard getting his power? So I can sort of see it if that's not what you're reading the genre for, and it's in there then it can seem distracting so well, i can, can kind of sympathize i i would say that we as writers are maybe sometimes complicit in that because i feel like a lot of times we like some authors will throw it in just to like have it there like i i remember some dude some author was talking about like uh like he he thought he had to throw in a romantic subplot in his book just to uh just to attract more women readers and i'm like i i don't think that'll work man like if you're not interested <laughs> if you're not interested in writing it yeah if you don't do it well it's yeah gonna- like if you and you know you're not going to do it well if you're not interested in it uh so i i believe that's you know another credit to joe abercrombie is that he made these things intrinsic because the stories are all about his uh all about these characters and how they try to be human again and th- as I said, those are pivotal, a, a, a climax, if you will, to those plots. <laughs> uh, and I, f- I feel like as writers, we need to sort of make a firm decision on that. And uh, if it's if you're going to do it, like go all the way, go go balls deep to be <laughs> po- perfectly accurate. Uh, sure. Uh, <laughs> uh, t- Tiffany, are there sex scene like pet peeves that you see that like make you crazy like are there like are like like comparing somebody to a horse's flanks i mean they're like things that you see <laughs> that just drive you nuts i am i'm really easy <laughs> That's what the boys say um so there's there's very little that that uh makes me cringe and and when you write it you become much more and i'm sure you two are the same way if you're part of part of the world and you're writing it, you become much more sympathetic to other people struggling to write it. Um, and you know, you've got a few boners haha, in your sex scenes too, uh, a few lines that didn't work. And then you kind of cringe when you go back and read it after it's published. Like, Oh, I wish I hadn't said that. Or why was I so shy that I wouldn't use, you know, the word vagina and I had to call it like her passage. And, you know, I feel weird that I did that. I wish I hadn't. So you get more, once you've done it and, and have, uh, uh, been in print for a while, you get more sympathetic. Uh, so there's not much for me. Uh, I don't like head hopping in a sex scene. I want a sex scene to be all in one point of view. I don't want to be bouncing back and forth between brains. Um, it's very distracting. Um, and my, my weird pet peeve is I hate romance and erotica in first person. Um, it's just, I don't want to read 400 pages of somebody talking about their sex life. If somebody plopped down next to me and started telling me, okay, so last night I met this guy and he took me home and he bent me over the couch and he was fucking me really hard. I'm like, oh, I don't want to hear that. But I, I'm happy to pick up a book. She met a man last night at the bar and he took her home. There's like distance um, that that makes be more comfortable and enjoy the sex scenes more so but that's my my personal weirdness um the the big one you hear all the time is words like cream and moist really turn people off ah! yeah I, <laughs> especially if a cream is moist or moisture is creamy or, or, like, or if the cream is quivering 
Yeah, why would they? I mean, maybe if it's in a butter churn, that kind of cream can probably quiver with your churning it. But no, yeah, yeah. oh no, what, what now we're getting back into feast scenes. Are you are you into? To, <laughs> I'm thinking like butter churn kink right now. Is that a thing? <laughs> yeah, uh, everything is a thing. What is Amish, it? It's like Amish for? Amish erotica. No, if you read uh, Robert Jackson Bennett's Twitter feed, he goes on about uh, the virtues of a good of a, of a good woman who butter churns. I believe it. I I would like to weigh in on this, but before I do, I would like to ask Justin, in which book did you read someone getting compared to a horse's flanks? Okay, well, so I will tell you, and it's actually a book of which I called one of the best sex scenes I've ever read. And (laughs) I'm serious. It's Elizabeth Bear uh, in Range of Ghosts, and it's a sex scene that happens, I don't know, in the first... 50 pages and um they are actually a a a a, a horse people that live on horses they're like nomads that live on horses and they travel about the countryside and uh and yeah when they have sex uh, she or he compares she or he to um the horse's flanks and it actually works well, what that about, makes perfect what about sense. I was thinking it would be a clan of the Cape Bear book, but that's about the same thing. So yeah, like yeah, that, that works. That that works because obviously they they have a great uh, admiration, appreciation, and admiration and necessity for horses. That's their frame of reference. So, like, what what else made it the best sex scene ever, Justin? So I think for me, why it were I actually wrote a whole article about this. Uh, oh, well, then don't bother telling. Years me. ago, um, <laughs> I'll. To to use a terrible podcast term, I'll put it in the show notes. Hey, um, but uh, but but I think the reason it worked was that the the sex scene was it, it fit the world, it fit the milieu, it fit the tone. It wasn't out of place. It didn't stick out for its. It was just graphic enough to fit the tone. There was lots of metaphor, which Elizabeth Bear does a lot of, and it was very um, good metaphor. It wasn't like sort of like you know quivering and that kind of thing like it was metaphor that made sense within the world and within the frame of reference for the characters i thought it was really successful that 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 touches on something i would like to address uh tonal shifts and actually i've read a lot of books i feel where the worst sex scenes are the ones that completely leave the tone because i feel like the author might have had a might have had this idea that because it's a sex scene or something tender, it had to be, it had to be more flowery, perhaps, or more elegant. When you know the rest of the book is like grunting and squelching. <laughs> uh, and I wonder if that's like not a uh, not a misconception that sort of lead on the part of the author that sort of leads uh, sex scenes in fantasy books to have the famously bad reputation that they do. Because I f- I feel like a lot of uh, you know, and I'll I'll be honest, I'm projecting here a little. When I tried to write a sex scene in Black Halo, I like tried to shift the tone a lot and it 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 did not work. And well, my uh my editor made me take it out and gave me the worst sex scene ever award. <laughs> well, so I think this is um erotica writers, I presume, by and large, um have no embarrassment or secondhand embarrassment about writing sex scenes. Um, I would, I would hope that's the case given how often they are called on to write them. But it reminds me of when our friend Delilah Dawson had to write her first sex scene, Sam. She told me that she had to get like rip roaring drunk (laughs) to write it. Poor Delilah. I love that woman. (laughs) Um, so I would presume, Tiffany, that like 
maybe this is a problem for people that don't write it that often or when they have to write it their first couple of times. Like I, I, I don't imagine that you have much, um, there's not much mystique around writing the sex scene for you. Oh no, they're just, at this point, they're kind of a pain in the ass and I still love them. And I don't think I could ever write any books that did not have at least one or two sex scenes in them because they're so intrinsic to the plots. I I'm drawn to writing. I love forbidden love plots. You can't really do a successful forbidden love story without some sex in it. You know, I'm, I don't really write a lot of quest plots and you can have a great quest book without sex scenes in it, but that's not what I write. So yeah, for, for most of us who've done it a lot, my, I'm up to the eighth original sinners book and I've written two rom-coms and a gothic romance and a mainstream fiction of forbidden romance. Uh, so that's like how many books of sex scenes. So it's at this point they slow me down and I have to think, okay, what can I do that I have not done before? What is the most right for these characters where I'm actually writing for these characters and not just putting in a sex scene because I need one here? What is, what is naturally flowing out of my character's uh, sexual tension. We know what's flowing out of the characters, but what is what? Ah. Will come, what will? Oh God, there's no way to get. Out. <laughs> I'm glad you like puns. Uh, so what? What is natural for these two characters that is intrinsic to them and not to two other characters or three other characters having sex? Um, so they do. They do slow me down, and they're. It's you know. It's, again, it's like writing a dance scene. There's a lot of choreography and and to get the emotion right and the tone right. So, yeah, but as for embarrassment, no, there's none. There's none. It's just part of the job. When you're an erotica writer, you write erotic scenes. When you're um, a, a mystery writer, you write, you know, bodies on the floor. Somebody's gotten murder. So uh, it's it's one of those weird things to me as an erotica writer to go, okay, you're embarrassed about writing a sex scene, but you have no problem chopping somebody's head off in your book. Like, you're you're killing someone on, on your book and... Like, if I have sex in real life, and I do on occasion, uh, I am married, I do it, like, oh, at least once a year, um, then, you nice. know, that, that's nothing to be embarrassed about, having sex. But when you murder someone, that's something you don't want to advertise. So, you know, you get writers who are so happy to write gruesome violence, but then shy away from sex, and it's it's very schizophrenic to me. Out, out, of, out of pure personal curiosity... Uh, thinking back to your earlier sex scenes, to your newer ones, do you find that you use less words for the newer ones? Um, okay. Like this, this might sound pedantic or nitpicky, but I'm genuinely curious. Or like it, maybe like less flowery language, or or like. It like absolutely. What, what really changed? I have to. I have to be do the stupid answer or the annoying answer, which it it just depends. Right. Like it's this book that I've written, the first time the couple have sex, the heroine is a virgin, so the sex scene is long, and it's it's deep, deep into his point of view. <laughs> deep. It's so deep. And it's hard. it was hard to write, and it was deep. Um, <laughs> and it was long. It was hard and deep and long. All uh, right. So oh, no, that's... <laughs> That's the first big sex scene in the book. Uh, but by the, about the third time that they have sex, we, you know, we know how big her breasts are. We, we know what his sort of moves are. So it's goes from like eight pages to three paragraphs. Right. Um, so the, there's different, there's different, um, you know, so when I'm in his point of view, it's much pornier. He uses words like hole to describe the vagina. Um, when I'm in her point of view, you know, she's not going to think of her vagina as her hole. Um, so that it just, it just depends. It just depends. But again, it's, it's doing what's right for your character in the point of view that you're in and what you're trying to accomplish in your plot or in your character development. 
So I believe sex is also good for character development, even if it doesn't necessarily further the plot. Sex is very revealing. So you can have a gruff, grunting sort of alpha male who becomes very tender in sex scenes. And you can say, well, that's a tonal problem. But I say it could also be character development. We realize he's got a softer side. Well, he's hard, you know. <laughs> Joe, Joe, if you're listening to this, uh, consider this a challenge. In the next book you write, use the word whole and convince me it's brilliant. And no, no, use it from the woman's point of view. And use it from the woman's point of view. <laughs> oh, that's, that's Figure out how to make it work, Joe. We know you can do it. <laughs> I him. You've already used tits, which we've heard is totally inappropriate for women's <laughs> totally. point of view. Squelch, also inappropriate. You can go for whole, bro. No, they're fine. They're fine. There's not inappropriate. I'm just saying you're not going to see them written by a woman in a romance novel or in a rock romance. Well, yeah, but I knew this wasn't written by a woman when I picked it up. Yeah. I have the Orbit cover with the tough-looking Monza on it, and I like that better than the UK cover. And I've been wanting to say that for a while. And that means nothing to you, Tiffany, but... That is a non-sequitur. Nice job, Sam. Oh, oh no! Are we doing non-sequiturs on Justin's very serious podcast? (laughs) (laughs) Oh, no! So, I actually have a very serious question here. Call the cops. It's something that I've struggled with a bit. (laughs) Okay. Um... So I have a lot of friends who are writers, and I read their books. Friends is a strong word. It is a strong word. Um, acquaintances, if you will. People I know have, of people who write books. People whose hands I have shake, shaken. Shooked. And shooked. And when, what are they, what are they, uh, what are they, muscles? <laughs> are they always Go ahead. Go ahead. Continue. And, and, they, and they write a sex scene that I find very arousing. I find that uncomfortable. <laughs> It happens. It does happen. <laughs> I do. I tell people I don't. I, I tell people I know who are like, oh, Tiffany, you know, I haven't read one of your books yet, but I really want to. Like somebody I meet, at, you know, I, I see repeatedly at my bank. Oh, Tiffany, you're a writer. I want to read one of your books. And I say, you don't have to. If you want to support me, buy one. But you don't have to read it because it will change the way you look at me. So just keep that in mind. <laughs> so no, it happens. It See, happens. I'm not, I'm not laughing at that concept. I just, I'm just, I'm just laughing because because Justin's aroused. Because I, well, because I know everyone Justin knows, and every time we're all hanging out, I'm going to try. I'm going to be guessing. So, and, and this this happened in a particular case that I can remember, and this is not oh, somebody that I find that I find that I want to think about that way. Yeah. Was it George? Uh, no, it wasn't George. Um, was it Robert? This was not Robert. This, this is not a good guessing game. <laughs> was it Brian? No. Was it Scalzi? Was it Scalzi? It was Scalzi. <laughs> I don't think Joe John doesn't write sex. The, most none of those guys even write sex scenes. John, if you're listening <laughs> to this, name we know. <laughs> John, if you're listening to this, use the word "hole" in your next <laughs> book. What if it was you, Sam? <laughs> I, I would uh, I would say I've already known that for a while. <laughs> Erotica writers take it as a compliment, and we get many emails and and kind words from fans at book signing saying, uh, "You helped my sex life with my boyfriend, husband, spouse, significant other." We get that a lot, and we take it as a compliment. So thank you for the compliment, Justin. <laughs> <laughs> don't 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 put too many feathers in your cap, there, Sam. All right. So who was it? I'm, I'm not going to tell you. Well, all right, go on with your story then. 
Uh, that's just that's it. I was I was just curious if this is like an awkward thing. That's all. That is something has that something ever happened to you, Sam? Uh hmm. It 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 like has never gone into very graphic detail or like anything quite so verbose as you help my sex life. I would be supremely flattered if it did, because you know ideally when you write, uh, the one thing you want to do is make an impact on people's lives, and you know hopefully a positive one. Whether that be asking them to challenge something that they already know or, you know, just improve a little. But I've had people just say, uh, you know, that they that they really enjoyed a sexy scene. Uh, I had a one reader who is who, you know, just sort of made my day by just like squealing and gushing about every time two of the main characters like even so much as uh, like held hands. And then, like, by the time they actually had sex, she just sort of exploded with joy. <laughs> I, I, I believe she was shipping them. Oh, shipping. Shipping happens, bro. You can't fight it. It does, it does. And people will ship in anything. As soon as they can find something to ship, they'll ship it. I, there's, I think there's, you know, there's a lot of different types of fantasy fans. And I love fantasy. I even have a fantasy book club I do online. And we tend to, because it's mostly female readers, we tend to read fantasy with romance in it far more often than fantasy without romance in it. Because that's what we like. So, but there's a lot of fantasy readers who do not like that. So I'm glad that there is fantasy for every type of reader. I, I, I actually really like it. If if you've been following my uh, my Twitter feed, friends out there, you know I've been playing uh, The Witcher Three: The Wild Hunt recently, and I actually did a whole blog post on sex scenes in video games. But one of the reasons I really like this uh, game is because it is all based around a uh, uh, relationships, someone uh, trying to defend the people he loves. And in fact, in that game, uh, spoiler alert for those of you listening who have not played it just yet. I uh I met an old flame in a city and there was a quest where I had to help her do something and then at the end I had to either beg her to stay or let her go. And boy that was a, that was a really impressive quest. I was actually like legitimately uh taken aback by how well done it was. So I I really enjoy that in uh in fantasy. I would too. Yeah, that's the those are the books that I'm drawn to because it's just so inherent in human nature the desire for companionship. Right. And even in in juvenile quest books, the hero or heroine usually goes on a quest with a companion, even if it's not romantic. You don't send them out alone, even if it's just a prism cat walking around. You you just you need two people there to have a conversation. Uh, long, long passages of just exposition gets old really fast. So just co- good conversation can uh, make a, a scene much more enjoyable to read. Yeah. But to have a conversation and to have a conflict, right? It, right. It does not really work to have just one person out and about with his own thoughts and no one challenging him. Exactly. Her. And let's be honest, Frodo and Sam were totally getting it on. I hope so. They're so cute. If you if you save Middle Earth, you have my blessing to go with whoever you want. Not that you need to save Middle Earth to enjoy that, but you know, obviously I'm not going to scrutinize the motives of the guy who saved Middle Earth. I would have some severe questions about the whole eagle thing, but that'll be another Samisode. I have a major crush on Lord Elrond. 
I love him. I would write sexy fan fiction about him and me. Wait, Lord Elrond or Hugo Weaving specifically? Well, his his interpretation. So, so not like him in The Matrix, isn't he? Right. The guy? But okay. I mean, Hugo Weaving is a wonderful actor, but I only found him attractive in the Lord of the Rings trilogy. I I much preferred Lord Elrond to the the other elf king we got in Battle of the Five Armies. I have drank an, an entire like quart of Asahi beer drink Asahi beer and so I, I can't remember his name but I, I really did not like Hobbit Battle of the Five Armies. I still haven't seen that one. S- Sam are you genuinely trying to spring an endorsement deal? <laughs> I would not mind. I would not mind. Writing is a fucking tough gig. If I had something like accessible and reliable like being a spokesperson for Asahi beer Particularly a beer so fine and crisp as Asahi beer. Should I call them and see if they want to sponsor the podcast? Yeah, do that. I should. Samus. That means you would have to drink Asahi beer as well. Like we we would both have to drink Asahi beer. Either that or they would be very long uh, commercials in which I try to convince you to drink Asahi beer. Almost like radio plays. I think those awkward ones where we read back and forth to one another. Yeah, except like at the end, there's like the sound of bricks uh, falling, and that like indicates me bursting through your wall like the Kool Aid Man. Except I'm gonna make you drink Asahi beer. Kool Aid Sam. Kool Aid Sam. Asahi Sam. Asahi. I like it. I like it. Okay, so last question, Sam. You have sex scenes in your book. Correct. Before writing those, did you venture out to read? sex scenes from people who are more better at it than you? That is an excellent question. Um, I, I, I have the impression that I did, but I can't recall specifically who I did. And I think because you don't kiss and tell. (laughs) Well, that's, it's, it's pot. No, I like, I genuinely can't remember who it was. And so I think that I did venture out, but Eventually, I realized I was stalling, and I just went into it as I would. I think the most, uh, the best teacher for writing a good sex scene is to write many bad sex scenes first, and then realize, you know, it's it's like anything else. And this is why I asked uh, uh, Tiffany if she used less words, uh, because I find that. You know, in my earlier works, uh, segueing back into violence, uh, I used a lot of flowery prose to describe gratuitous violence. But in like City Stained Red and Mortal Tally, it's much more, you know, curt, short, punchy, and grim. And, uh... Are those the names you know, of your characters? Yeah, that they're all in one sex scene together. <laughs> it's, it's, a, it's an erotic retelling I of say that's that's white. I ship, I ship punchy and grim. It's actually it's actually what they call their junk, I think. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, But no, I did not. I you know I I guess I did, but I did not learn as much as I would hope. So I just sort of went into it and found out what happened. What about you, Tiffany? For somebody who writes a lot of sex scenes and has written a lot of sex scenes, if you were going to give advice to somebody who is not necessarily writing. A, you know, a book built around sex, but like, like, where should they go? Like, should they go read erotica or should they, or, sh- or is that like too much? 
Now, if you if you are writing a book and you feel it is appropriate to the story that you have characters engaging in sex sex acts, that it's uh, going to improve the story, uh, and you're not comfortable yet writing sex scenes, um, I would read romance novels because mainly romance novels because erotica is going to be it's going to have like ten to. 20 sex scenes in it, and that's going to take up the bulk of the book. Um, when you're writing a fantasy novel, then it's more plot-oriented, um, and the plot is not going to take, uh, not going to center around sex, most likely. You could definitely write a fantasy novel, though, that's sex-based. Um, so I would say romance, because romance novels also include sexual tension, and that kind of tension is what keeps people turning pages, which you want in any genre. Uh, so you would learn how to create sexual tension or any kind of tension uh, between characters by reading uh, a lot of romance novels, uh, especially the really good historical ones because the characters, um, it takes a lot longer for them to hop into bed together than in a contemporary where having sex on a third date is much more accepted. In a historical, you got to... Um, drag the uh the sexual tension out until maybe until they're married or until they're uh you know halfway through the book um so yeah i would go with go with romance novels and what you will learn by reading them is you will learn what works for you what turns you off what words you will find sexy uh if you cringe every time a writer puts cock in a book then you should not be writing cock in your sex scenes um you know you need to find your comfort level so um you I'm know read a book I'm what just was gonna, that? I'm just going to tweet that. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> yes, write at your comfort level. You find your comfort level by writing, yes, but you also find it by reading. Uh, yeah, when you when you read certain stuff that make you wince or, uh, or the stuff that turns you on, you're like, oh, well, that turns me on. It's probably going to turn somebody else on. That's something I like. Um, you know, I like a tender love scene or I like a super hard, rough sex scene. So then you know what works for you and you know how to build your character so that when they have that sort of sex that you like to read about, you will enjoy writing it and it will fit with your characters. Um, so yeah, that's what I would say to do. And just find a romance novelist. We love giving out book recommendations, which I'm sure fantasy writers love too. It's what we do. Yeah. So yeah, just ask one. Find any of us. We'll tell you a dozen books to read that weekend, and then you will know everything there is to know about writing sexual tension and sex and romance novels. So I was going to ask, I, I recently read a historical romance that I really enjoyed, which was a Courtney Milan novel, but... She's so good. She's excellent. It was The, the Duchess War, which I really enjoyed. She's, she's a big fan of mine, by the way. Excellent. Hey. <laughs> Mutual plugging. Oh, boy. <laughs> um... No comment. But Tiffany, why don't you get? Do you have a? Do you have a one particular, maybe a historical romance or something else that you would that you would just uh, say is one of your favorites? Um, I love Mary Balog's Marriage of Convenience books, and that's about half of her books. So I won't I won't list individual titles. Although my favorite by her is her Christmas novel, uh, A Christmas Promise, which is a a surprisingly gritty christmas historical romance you don't think historical romance and gritty but it's very emotionally gritty it's the only christmas romance i've ever read with hate fucking in it uh it's fantastic <laughs> but what mary Baylog does so well is awkward sex between people who barely know each other um and uh then then as they get to know each other the sex improves so in her books you get the full range of awkward stranger sex to experts who are know each other's bodies now and and have strong feelings for each other uh so you, you get it all in one book so you're telling me that joe abercrombie is a pseudonym for mary Baylog. i knew it 
I believe it. I, believe it. <laughs> I knew it. <laughs> and the two worlds collide. What about now, before we go? I have a question for you, Justin. Okay. You uh, you have read a lot of fantasy in your time as a blogger and as a podcaster. Uh, how long do you think it will be until we see a book use sex as a magic system? You know, it's probably already out there. But like, when will we I see it achieve? Like, yeah, this is kind of that. But yeah. like, how long will we will we like see? How long will it be before like that becomes like big big news? You know, I think I think I think Jacqueline Carey did it a little, not all the way, but she definitely did it to some degree in the Kushiel series, um, and those were a huge hit. I love them. And then I think Catherine Asaro maybe has done something like that, but the pro- I think the not the problem with it, but the perception of those books, both of them, uh, you know, both of those authors. And I think Jacqueline Carey really unfairly, because I think her books are exceptional epic epic fantasy, like legitimate, proper epic fantasy. Right. But she gets dumped into romance, much like, you know, you know, the Outlander books or other other things that are clearly genre books, but get dumped into romance because they have sex in them. Right. And so I, I think the only way that you're going to see, and it's it's super sexist, but I think it's kind of true, that the only way that a sex-driven magic system in fantasy would be sort of acceptable if a man wrote it. Hmm. I just think that's uh, uh, last week's Rocket Talk, which has not gone live yet as of this recording, uh, is about sort of inherent sexism in publishing, and that's right. one, that's part of it. It's just that the romance, that, yeah. romance and sex is 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 talked about in publishing as you know women's territory, right? And so you know, I think if we were going to see like a like a, a broader outlook on sex in non-romance novels, it would sort of have to be started by Men. Huh. Okay, Sam, you do it. I have a question for Sam, if it's our last question. Yeah, ask it. Sam, what the hell is ghost speech? Oh, you you're, you, you can't know <laughs> ghost speech? <laughs> Was, is Keith on ghost speech? No, Keith is not on ghost speech. No you one is on ghost have sex on ghost speech. Uh, you, you can, but it doesn't, it doesn't lead anywhere good. Okay, okay. There's, no, there's nothing good on ghost speech, Tiffany. <laughs> Okay, I won't go there then. You you can never go. You can ask Chuck Wendig or Delilah Dawson, but they will tell you much the same because no truth escapes ghost speech. Oh my god, I'm so scared. Well, on that note, no, I have a plan. All right, to go to ghost speech. No, I will read uh, one of your books, Sam, and you read one of mine. What what do you recommend I start with? Why don't you? Well, I can. I'm happy to send you anything. But since my my book series needs to be read in order, the first one is called The Siren. But it's long. It's like 150. Well, you all are epic fantasy writers, so 115 thousand word book is not epic. 115 thousand word is not long. That's a novella to you guys. 115 thousand words is like Sam. How long is a city stained red? Uh, it was like 180 something. Okay, I'll read City Saint Red. That's the first one in your series, right? So that's the first one. Okay, you read The Siren. Yeah, we'll compare notes weekly. Okay, on All it. Right. We'll do it. She said. I've, she I, said. I have witnessed this uh, and notarized it. <laughs> Thank you. It's, Thank you, Justin. It's sacrosanct now. And uh, we'll learn uh, from each other. Perhaps you guys should uh, should publicly Twitter rant 
about each other's books. That would be fantastic. <laughs> and Sam, maybe we can have you back for a dramatic reading of a sex scene. I would scene love to. From Tiffany Rice's The Siren. Yeah, hopefully. I, it I will read from Sam. And there, there is a sex scene in Sam's A City Stained Red. So There's um, two. Yeah. Yeah. I will uh, make sure that I, I dog ear those. I would love to see a a, a outright uh, critique, <laughs> a a line by line um, blocking to make sure that he got all the parts in the right places. I will annotate it. Excellent. Yay. All right, well, podcast, guys, uh, thank you for having me, guys. Thanks for having me. Coming to this episode of Rocket Talk with Sam Sykes and Justin Landon. Thank you. <laughs> All right. All right. Well, thank you both so much for being here tonight. This Yay. Is, this has been Rocket Talk. Drink Asahi beer. <laughs> <laughs>